with you a Christmas message. Christmas is about hope. And no matter what this world throws at us, we are to be a people of hope. Amen? And uh, I think of hope, I think of a light in a dark place. How many of you were ever scared of the dark, or maybe still are? Right? You can't see, you don't know what's there. So whenever there's a light, boy, that brings all sorts of relief, doesn't it? It, it, it helps you keep your balance, and uh, it sets your feet on a path. The Word of the Lord is a light unto my path, right? And it leads me. And so Christmas is all about lights, the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. This world is in darkness. And so hope is a very, very powerful thing. Each one of you are a light to this dark world. In fact, Jesus said that about you. He said that you are a light. You're a city on a hill. You're not to hide that light because this world needs hope. See, so often we're thinking about our issues when we're, whether we should shine our light or not, and uh, you don't ask a drowning man if he wants to be saved. You rush to the event. We don't need permission from the world to light a light. We don't want to wait to see whether we're welcomed or not. We shine that light at all times. And so this morning, I want us to realize that we are saved by hope. My text, if you will, is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 24. And it says this, Paul says, for we're saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for what for it with perseverance or patience. So hope is something invisible that you cannot see. If you had it, you wouldn't be hoping for it, right? And... Uh, the testimony of Abraham is against all hope he hoped. Physically, what he could see, his body was dead, if you will, as far as producing a child, and so was his wife. But against all hope, what did he do? Hoped. Now, how do you do that? It's a higher level of vision. See, hope is vision. Hope is seeing what cannot be seen. We say, oh no, that's faith. No, 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 that's hope. Faith is the substance of things what? Hope for. You cannot have faith unless you first have hope. The vision or that level of seeing what needs to be and what God promises. Then you can have faith, right? To the woman who had the issue of blood, when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, he said, thy faith has made you whole. So was it that she had enough belief, belief, belief? What the faith actually was, was the evidence of her hope. The evidence that she hoped she'd be healed was that she climbed through the dust and the dirt and the crowd to touch. That was her faith. Her faith got her to Jesus, but her hope gave her vision to him. He's our hope. That's the brightest light we can shine. I know you have nice pearly white teeth and you smile and it looks bright, but it's not the light you need to shine. You dress fancy today, you're looking good, but that's not the light. The light is Jesus in you, the what? The hope 
of glory. That's what they need. A candle, a light in this dark world. Now hope is a vision. It's looking for what you cannot see. And now what's interesting about this is that when we look at this vision and see it, we have to understand what hope is. Hope is actually in the realm of your imagination. Don't get offended by that. The Bible uses this word quite often. Five times in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for mind is imagination. In fact, it says in Isaiah 26.3, you're familiar with this verse, He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts thee. Your mind will be in perfect peace if you stay on the Lord, if you meditate upon the Lord. The word in Hebrew for mind there means imagination. God gave us an imagination to see things in picture and identity realm. If I say apple, do you see the word apple or do you see an apple? What do you see? An apple, right? If I say orange, right? You visualize, you see. Your imagination is visual. It pictures things. It sees things. You don't see words. Words are the vehicle to exchange ideas. But imagery, imagination is what keeps us moving in motivation. Many of you have a good imagination, but as in Genesis 6, God saw that all the imaginations of man were what? Evil and wicked. So an imagination can be used for good or it can be used for evil, right? It's a power and a capacity that we have. I don't think crocodiles have much of an imagination. Lions and tigers and bears. I don't think they contemplate. When you go to the zoo and they're walking around, do you think they're thinking about where they could be instead of there? What sets us apart is our ability to dream to imagine. The creativity of man is awesome. And that's what happened when they became so wicked. They used their creativity, their God design, that that image of God in us to imagine, to create, to comprehend, became corrupt because of the fall. And with that, their imaginations created all sorts of wickedness. It's a very powerful thing. What they had turned their imagination to or their hope into were corrupt things. They visualized vile things. They visualized all sorts of sins and weapons of our warfare. Consider the technology we have today. It's being used for good and it's also being used for evil, isn't it? I mean, we've got all sorts of stuff going on in men's imaginations. But hope begins to move in your place of vision and dream. And that engages your imagination. It's your inner heart vision. Consider this. Jesus backs this up when He said, you've heard it said that if any man commits adultery with a woman, right, that's an offense according to the law. But I tell you, if he what? Thinks of it. Where's he thinking of it? Imagination. He's got a hope to seduce a woman or do something. He's already committed that crime. You see, the problem starts here in our hope, in our vision. We're in a battle for hope. We're in a war on vision. It says that the devil, the weapons of his warfare, he uses imaginations. 
He uses ideologies to corrupt this world. Do you understand that the reason the world is in the shape it is is because there are ideologies that people believe in that they follow that works against the things of God? It's all in the realm of your hope. Do you hope for a communist nation? Do you hope for a tyranny? Do you hope for an atheism? Or do you hope for the light of the world and the love of God to infiltrate this place? Starts in the heart of men. Brothers and sisters, Christmas is about our hearts being relieved from the tyranny of this dark world and having the light of love so that we can shine it to everyone. We have a hope beyond all hope that this world needs. They're hoping to just get by. You know that many in this generation don't expect to live past 30. Many, many have this sense, especially in poverty, in, in the area, in the realm of Detroit, many of the young people in Detroit don't have an expectation to get a, a past 30 to be alive. Their hope is just to get by for the next day. Many people are in that place. We've got to break the chains of darkness in people's hearts and minds and begin to have them imagine what God can do with a life like yours. Come on, it took God a lot of imagination to fix you guys. Amen? Look what He's doing with us. Who would have ever thought? Look at we're all gathered here today. If we went backwards like in a movie and we took each of your personal trails, we'd think, how did He do that? What a mess. All these individual lives, so messed up and so distorted, brought together in one hope, one faith, one baptism, one name, Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords. That's our hope. That's the hope that changes this world. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That God brought a hope to us. And so, it starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. You know, uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of the Lord is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the what? Thoughts and intents of the heart. The imaginations of men. This book is amazing. There should be no other entertainment for the believer than this. Oh, fine. I, you know, I'm not going to tell you that you can't watch movies and you can't watch TV shows. Just watch what you're putting in your head. But can I tell you that there's nothing more entertaining than this? Oh, Pastor, should you use the word entertain? Absolutely. Entertain means to muse and imagine and meditate. We don't meditate enough on this. I don't. Uh, so, so that none of you feel I'm condemning you. I don't imagine enough on this thing. Put a word of God in your mouth in the morning and all day long, you can be entertained by the imagination of what God is doing with this verse. Why do you think He wrote the Bible in story form? Huh? We're so technical in this age today. We all want scientific fact and theory. We want lists. We want proofs and evidences. Thank God He didn't do that. But He made it real in people's lives. He tells us a story so that your imagination can grab hold of this thing and make it real in your life. 
This isn't a a periodical table. This isn't a chart of what He's done. This is the story of people's lives coming out of people's hearts and minds, joys and sorrows. Meditate. This is entertainment. This is amazing. It will keep you captivated. It will keep you in your mind looking for the hope for your life. If He did it with Peter, He could do it with me. If He did it with David, He could do it with me. If He did it with Solomon, He can do it with me. You begin to imagine. Set your hope high on what God is going to do with you. It's a book of hope. It's awesome and wonderful. But there's a difference between fate and faith. How many of you know that? Fate is a collective process of choices that everyone around us makes and that is, uh, makes a determined outcome that no one has a, a decision on or can a- achieve on their own. It's just going to happen whether you like it or not. But faith trusts in a living God who orders all things to His glory and gives us the will and the freedom to participate in that activity. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that God asks you to participate in the salvation of people's souls? Come on, if I took a, if I took a, a, a testimony report right here, how many of you could raise a hand to say that someone was important to bringing you to Christ? Somebody. Let me see hands. Was there a person? Oh, okay, there you go. There's a story here, isn't there? And and there's a faith that God used someone to engage into you out of your will, salvation. That's awesome to me. That person challenged you. That person uh, spoke to you and spoke into your intellect, your emotions, your will, and challenged you to walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is trusting in God. Faith is is having a hope that God is greater than I am. And fate, fatalism, is what this world lives under. But I live by faith, not by sight. We're not going to get into the whole uh, uh, philosophies of fatalism and uh, the different ideologies. I just want to speak that faith comes from hope. And it's a powerful hope. In fact, let me give you an illustration of what hope can do. I want to tell you a little story that uh, Pastor Ed Bacon tells and shares. And, and uh, it's a story of a little boy that was in the hospital. He was a burn victim. Severely burned. And uh, became severely depressed. And he was not doing well at all. And uh, there was an, also an older lady that is a retired school teacher, and surely uh, thought that maybe she could give back now uh, to somebody's life, and so she volunteered to be a tutor at the children's ward in a hospital for anybody that needed help. And uh, so she was a little nervous about this, and so they, after she signed up, they called her and asked her to come see little Jimmy, and so Shirley came to see little Jimmy. Now, as she's ready to go into the room, they told her, now, the teachers tell us that he was working with nouns and verbs and adverbs as a young man uh, before he got burned, and that's where maybe you could pick up the lessons. And as she was about to walk in, she thought, oh, I got this, I can do this. And then she smelled the smell. 
of that flesh that was burned, and it struck her that how is she going to be able to concentrate and think and be any help to this young boy while the smell of his flesh and the look of him was going to totally distract her. She became very nervous and upset and, and tried to go in and, and hide uh, uh, Jimmy. Uh, and she, she tried to get past the odor. She saw this depressed boy. She said, I've been sent here to teach you your verbs and nouns and adverbs because I know that's where you left off. And uh, she tried to do her best to kind of introduce and, and uh, get this study going. And the, the smell and the, the look was so overwhelming. She was so exasperated. She said, excuse me, Jimmy, um, we'll cut this lesson short today and I'll be back tomorrow and we'll take care of it from here. And she left totally despondent, totally upset, feeling that she let him down and she prayed. She knew she had to do better. Well, the next day she came back and the nurse came up to her and said, Shirley, what did you say to that boy? And she began to melt. I'm so sorry. I wasn't prepared for this. I hope I didn't upset him. She said, what are you talking about? She said, this boy has changed in his attitude completely. His vitals are up. He's sitting up in bed. He's waiting for you for today's lesson. And when they asked Jimmy why, he said, I figured that if you sent a school teacher in here to teach me to learn, I'm not going to die. I've got hope. Changed his whole attitude in life. Can I tell you, that's exactly what God did on Christmas morning. When He sent His Son into the world, He was telling the world, it ain't over yet. I've got a plan. And I've got something that's going to save this world. It's all changed now. The equation's different. Jesus came. And He is the light to a dark world. Now we can sing even in despair. Now we can shout for joy even when we are pummeled on every side. Even when we're rejected by men, we rejoice for we have the blessed hope, the hope of God, and it's not over yet. God's got a plan for His people. Amen? Amen. God has a plan. We are saved by hope. God injected hope into this planet through Jesus Christ. And so... I want you to know that we build a hope on the solid rock of Jesus. How many of you know that old hymn? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Right? Amen? Amen? All other is shifting sand. Christ is our hope. If you have Christ, you have hope. You have a hope beyond the grave. You have a hope beyond death and life. You have a hope beyond sin and shame. You have a hope that is solid and sure. This world is on shifting sand looking for it. 
We have a solid hope. They hope in the philosophies of men that change and alter generation after generation. They hope on science and ideologies, but none of them can change the imagination and the heart that only Jesus can. He can do that. Now, what we need is a healthy hope. And so I want to share with you, some of you need some hope repair. You need your hope reinvigorated and strengthened. Proverbs 13.12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. How many of you ever hoped for something and you got it? I remember when I was nine years old, I was taking drum lessons. Actually, it was in ten, I was 10 years old. Took drum lessons for a year. I couldn't wait. That was my year to get a drum set. Woo! A real drum set. I had a toy drum set. You know, a Toys R Us one? But a real pro drum set. Man, I, I wanted that for Christmas. I told my parents. I wrote it down all over. Made sure everybody understood. That morning I got up, I ran out to the tree, and guess what? Nothing! I knew it was expensive. I knew that. And so we opened all the presents, and I was grateful, and I said, thanks, Mom and Dad. New slippers, new bathrobe. (sighs) Thank you. Nice. They could tell I was despondent. My hope was deferred. (laughs) It was painful. It was postponed. I thought, well, I know it's a lot of money, and uh, so um, I don't know what we're going to do. And then I remember my mom and dad said, hey, is that everything? I said, it's everything I can see. So why don't you check around the corner? And in a little, the vestibule when you've come into the house, there was the stack of presents. Ah! The tree of life came into my soul. From then on, you couldn't stop me. I unwrapped them. It was a gold, spark, a gold sparkle drum set. Oh my goodness. I set that thing up and Day after day after day after day after day, my baby oh, became a tree of life. I don't know if you've ever had a disappointment and a hope that you had. And when it's not there, man, it breaks your heart. But hope fulfilled is like a tree of life. It gives you strength to imagine and believe for more. So what do we do with the hope deferred? Some of you in the realm of your hope department is deficient. You're hurting. You're wounded. You're having a hard time trusting and having vision for a new hope. I'm glad that we celebrate Christmas every year. I'm glad it comes back around. Now for some, Christmas is a very painful time. It reminds them of painful miseries. But can I remind you of the Word of God that God's mercies are fresh and new every morning. There is a new hope for you every morning. You don't have to hold on to a hope that wasn't fulfilled. You have to recalculate your considerations. And that's what gets people through. A recalculating of your hope. A recalculating and a refiguring. 
Oh, just give up. No, when you give up, you die. When you give up, you die. His ways are not our ways. His ways are greater than our ways. And if it didn't happen the way you wanted, then you have to reconstruct a new hope. But what if someone died? Well, there's a hope greater than the grave, and that's Jesus Christ. Even beyond life and death, there is hope. Even, come on, that, 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 I was going to say that kills me. That gets me. <laughs> that in the end, the worst thing we think could happen is death, and it is not the worst thing. So we have a hope beyond the grave. So if I didn't get my drum set when I was 10 years old, hey, you know what? I could get one when I was 12. You've got to readjust, people. And this morning, some of you have had your hopes dashed. You've been hoping for something, waiting for something. It's been deferred. It's been postponed. It's been set aside. And it's making you sick. Well, you have to reimagine. You have to reconstruct and reconsider the new things of God. I don't understand why it took God so long to bring Jesus to planet earth, but it said in the fullness of time. Galatians tells us that in the perfection of time, Christ came, born of a virgin and under Pontius Pilate. Now why? I don't know, but it was perfect. Let patience have her perfect work. If it's deferred, there's got to be a reason. You've got to trust. If you don't, you're left with you. That's all you got. And let me ask you something. How's that working for you? (laughs) A happy heart is a good medicine. A cheerful mind works healing, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. I thank God. God wants you to choose. He said, choose this day whom you will serve. He always gives His people a choice. You can choose to be down. You can choose to believe negativism. You can choose to think you're done and your bones will dry up and rot. Or you can choose there's a new day, a new way, and a new promise of God. And you readjust your hope. I know what I'm talking about. I've had to do it a number of times. And it's important that we do it. And I close with this. There's nothing more powerful than the promise of God. A promise. A promise. We live by the promises of God. Now Peter said this in 2 Peter 1.4. He said, by these great and precious promises, so that through them, the promises, we become partakers of God's divine nature, escaping the corruption of this world and it's by, by its sinful flesh or sinful desires. Our hope is in the promise of God. That's our light. That's our future. That's our hope. Now that promise may have not been fulfilled last year or this year, but it is a promise of God that is sure. He cannot lie. And He will perform it. He'll watch His Word to perform it. Unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even imagine. By the power that's at work in us. He asks you to trust Him. Choose this day whom you will serve. He is asking you to fully engage your imagination, your trust, 
and your hope in His promises. When you do, you become like that woman who touches the hem of His garment and became a partaker of His divine nature. She partook of His nature. Jesus stopped in the middle of the crowd and He said, hey, who touched me? It's a very funny story. Peter says, what are you, crazy? I mean, they're literally being pushed and shoved in, in the crowd, bumping around, and Jesus says, hey, wait, somebody touched me. Come on, Jesus, what are you, kidding? No, 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 no. He said, virtue flowed out of me. When the woman's hope to see Jesus said, get to Him, because when Messiah comes, there is healing in His wings. The wings is the prayer shawl that rabbis wore. Healing was in His wings. She had to go touch the healing in His wings. When she, her faith got her through that crowd, someone stepped on her hand, someone kicked her in the face, someone moved her aside, someone said, unclean, 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 but she kept going. And she touched it, and Jesus said, someone touched a promise of God. That's the power of hope. And this Christmas, we celebrate the power of hope. If Jesus came to planet earth, there's hope for you and I. A hope that will sustain us. A hope that in fact will save us. For we are saved by this hope. Trust Him again. Trust Him again. There's no other place to go. There's nothing left. But Jesus' blood and righteousness, trust in Him. By that hope, you'll be saved. Amen. And amen. Amen. Come on, stand with me this morning.